My dad called me one day and he said, I'm moving to senior living. And I said, really? He said, yes. And I said, well, dad, tell me more about this. <laughs> he said, well, my girlfriend, Fran, decided she wanted to move to senior living. And I went to look at it with her, and now I've signed myself up. I want to be with Fran. If she's moving to this community, then so am I. Hi, everyone. This is the AgeWise Podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. I don't know about you, but as I continue to age, the thought of leaving my house and moving into an assisted living facility is not something I look forward to. Not that there's anything wrong with a well-run ALF, but if I had to choose, I'd rather stay in my house for as long as possible. Fortunately, I live in a ranch-style home, so there's only one floor, but that doesn't mean there aren't safety traps. I'm not there yet, but I know that if I plan on being dragged out of this house by the feet, I'll have to make a few improvements on it to create a safer and more enjoyable home. That's where today's guest comes in. Dale Miller has a lot of experience making sure older folks are safe in their home. Decades after moving her parents down to Florida from New York and then playing a major role in caring for them, she started a business called Aging in Place USA. Dale is a certified Aging in Place specialist, and she joins us today from Boca Raton, Florida, to share her story. Dale, welcome to the AgeWise podcast. Thank you. So let's start with some context. If you could tell us how you wound up down in Florida, because I know you're from New York. I am a native New Yorker, and over 30 years ago, my parents moved down to Florida, and soon after that, I came to visit. And while I was visiting, my mother took sick. She was very ill, and it turned out to be a brain tumor. And there was no way that I could leave my parents to fend for themselves in Florida, a new place to live, and lack of familiarity. And so I made the decision to remain in Florida and to help them through this crisis. And then you ended up staying here, right? Yes. I remained in Florida for nine months during my mother's illness. And during that time, I put down some roots here, but I mostly spent time looking after my mother and my father. And when my mother passed, I realized that my father, from his generation, really did not know how to cook for himself, do his laundry, or any of the basic things that so many of us take for granted today. Mm -hmm. And so I attempted to teach him how to cook and how to do his laundry with some interesting results. <laughs> and <laughs> That's very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point in time, I had started a little business down here as a professional interior designer, which was my profession in New York. So I decided I would remain in Florida and do what I had to do and needed to do to be sure that my dad was doing okay during his grief period and then with his new life. Mm. And what sort of living space was your father in after your mom died? 
they had purchased a two-bedroom, two-bathroom villa, mm -hmm. and my dad remained there for a number of years. So that begs the question, did you do any redesign for him then to accommodate his staying there? I didn't need to do it at that point in time. My father was in his 60s. Uh -huh. He was healthy and somewhat independent. And so the villa worked out well for him. It was one story, obviously, you know, with a little screened-in patio. And he enjoyed living there. Uh-huh. And so at that point, you were committed to living in Florida. And how often were you seeing your dad after your mom died? Very often, uh, several times a week, and we spoke on the phone more than once a day. Oh, okay. So you were really very involved in his life. Yes, yes. And you have uh, one sibling, correct? Yes, my brother who lives in California. Okay, so did you feel like it was all on you to do the care? Absolutely. It was a lot of pressure. I found that I needed to give my dad much more attention than I originally anticipated. His sense of humor was helpful to me at that <laughs> point in time also. So, you know, we could laugh at some of the things that occurred, but I really devoted a good deal of time to my dad and helping him to orient himself to his new life, let alone all of the things that come up after someone is gone. Mm from sorting through clothing and memorabilia and belongings to all of the hospital bills, the medical bills, the insurance issues, and everything else. Mm. And so that took a good deal of time as well. Yeah. What was the hardest part about it for you, do you think? I think going through my mother's illness with her, she had been a very active woman. She did have surgery on her brain tumor, and she needed to relearn some very basic things after that. And it was not an easy time for us because she was getting radiation, chemotherapy. It was what you go through when you go through this type of illness. And by the same token, you know, my dad and I needed to live our lives every day yeah. and care for each other and meals and, and things of that nature. So when my mom was gone, it was going through the grieving with my dad and at the same time helping him adjust to his new lifestyle and for me to adjust to the fact that my mom was gone. Boy, I can relate to that in reverse because I was faced with the exact same situation when my father died. So not a whole lot of time for you to grieve for your mom because you're really yeah. kind of grieving for your dad, too, and his life is so connected to yours. So she was young when she had her brain tumor. 61. 61. So to me, that's young. Yes. Um, and so how long did your dad live after your mom died? Oh, my dad lived for over 20 years. So he had a lot of years left. Did he remarry? I mean, he was still rel relatively young, right? Yes. Was Yes. Was he social after that, eventually? Eventually he was, and he started dating, and he would call me with dating questions, which I found so amusing. Oh and may I share with you of the course. one that I found most amusing? Of course. Well, my dad told me that he had taken a woman out on a date to dinner the evening before, and he said that they had a lovely dinner, and he drove her home, and he was sitting outside her home, 
And the question that he had for me was, do you take off your seatbelt or not when you kiss her goodnight? (laughs) (laughs) Not can I kiss her, but do you take off? It was a logistical question. (laughs) Yes. Was your dad an engineer? (laughs) (laughs) No, but he had a fabulous sense of humor. Oh, wow. That's great. My dad eventually sold his home mm-hmm. and moved to senior living, and I think that's also an interesting little anecdote. At that point in time, my interior design company, Daring by Design, had been designing senior living communities, and we'd done several right in the Boca Raton area, refresh them, redesign them, whatever their needs might be. My dad called me one day, And he said, I'm moving to senior living. And I said, really? He said, yes, I just signed a contract. And I said, well, Dad, tell me more about this. (laughs) (laughs) He said, well, my girlfriend, Fran, decided she wanted to move to senior living. And so her daughter flew down from Boston, and they looked at several senior living communities And they decided on one of them, and so she signed herself up. I went to look at it with her, and now I've signed myself up. Mm. And I really tried to keep my composure at that point, but I (laughs) said, you know, know, Dad, I'm a commercial interior designer, and as you know, my company has redesigned several of the local senior living communities why didn't you call on me to help you with this major decision? And he said, well, Fran and her daughter explained to me how they arrived at the decision. So I asked, and what was that? Well, they saw that there were a lot of people sitting in the lobby, so they thought that that would be a good place for her to move. (laughs) And I (laughs) I thought about this, and knowing what I do about senior living, I was a little troubled by that because I actually felt that there may not be enough activity going on or mm-hmm. people may not be comfortable. That various things came to mind. Yeah. So I accompanied my dad to go and visit this community and to speak with the director of sales who immediately said, I'll be happy to give you uh, the deposit check back if you care to. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I asked my dad if he, if we could just deliberate about this, and we talked about it for several weeks. And my dad was a very independent man, and so he put his foot down and he said, "Look, I want to be with Fran. If she's moving to this community, then so am I." And so we made preparation to sell my dad's home and to move him into a smaller space. He had been in a a good-sized two-bedroom, two-bathroom home, and he was now moving into the smallest one-bedroom unit that they had available. So it was a small kitchen, a combination dining and living room, a very small bedroom, Mm -hmm. and a bathroom. Mm -hmm. So we needed to downsize his furnishings, his belongings. We needed to space plan um, what would fit where and how. So I enlisted some help of my staff, and we planned it out, and we now came to the day that my dad was moving. So I was there with him and the movers, and at some point he said to me, you know, I need to take care of a few things, banking and things like that, 
so why don't I meet you at the new home? And I said, fine, and took care of my job supervising the movers. Well, we got to my dad's new apartment. We moved everything in. It was all set. So now all of his belongings were moved in. Everything was arranged, but my dad wasn't there. And I was beginning to worry about him. And finally he appeared. And I said, Dad, you know, I was a little concerned about you. What happened? He said, well, I had a couple of banks to go to. And then I went to have lunch. I went to the dry cleaner. I knew that you could handle the whole thing, and you're in charge of that. So I'm here. I moved in. So my dad got comfortable in his new surroundings. And about three months later, I got a telephone call from the director of sales at his community. And he said, I have an unusual question for you. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, we have a new executive director here at our community, and I've taken him to see some of your other work in other communities, and he really liked what he saw. So would you be willing to talk with him about our community and possibly doing a renovation on it? Hmm. And I said, of course. And I spoke with the gentleman, and we had some nice meetings with he and his staff, and then corporate, and then all the way to the top of the ladder, and they hired us to redo all their public spaces at this community that my dad lived in. Hmm. So I sat my dad down, and I said, I have some exciting news to tell you. And I proceeded to tell him that we had been hired to redo all the public spaces at his community. Well, he was overjoyed and very proud of me. And then he said, I'm so excited. I can't wait to tell Fran and all of my friends here at this community. And I said, Dad, stop for a moment and think about this. If you tell anyone, as the work evolves and we're removing things and building things and going through construction and new furnishings, People will come up to you, and they may very well complain to you about what they don't like, and this could be very stressful for you, and I really don't want to see you in that position, so why don't we keep it a secret until it's all done? Mm -hmm. And he agreed to do that, and so I think he probably did keep it a secret. At least he didn't tell me about any of the comments until they actually finished the renovation and had a big party, and then he walked around and told everyone that it was his daughter who had redesigned this community, and he was very proud of her. Of course he was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's probably just waiting to get that out. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, wait. That's so cute. Yes. So did your dad stay at that facility for the rest of his life? Yes, he did. He began to decline living in independent living, and his doctors advised us to um, bring him to the memory center at FAU in Boca Raton and have his memory checked, and they agreed that he had some issues, and eventually everyone recognized that it was Alzheimer's, and so came the process of going through the aging with my dad and his decline. Mm -hmm. 
And FAU, we should make clear, is Florida Atlantic University for folks who are not familiar with that acronym. So your dad was probably moved to a different facility eventually then. Eventually, we needed to move him to assisted living. But prior to that, while he lived in independent living, we had to hire an aide to help to dispense his meds. Mm-hmm and help him with some of the daily living issues that he had at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we recognized, and his doctors agreed, that he needed to move to assisted living. And they did have assisted living in the same community, and so we had to downsize him further to a studio apartment with a little bathroom, and again, go through his possessions and the things that meant the most to him. And I got the community to agree to allow us to select a paint color that we thought was conducive to the studio apartment as opposed to a vanilla kind of color and Mm -hmm. something that was calming and soothing. Mm -hmm. And we set up one corner of the studio with a bookcase. And rather than have books in it, we had family photos and memorabilia that was important to him, as well as other photos that we hung in that space. And I think that made a difference in helping him with his long-term memory along with his Mm short-term. And what became of his relationship with Fran? His relationship actually ended while he was in independent living. It wasn't my father's decision. It was Fran's. She just decided that she didn't want to be a strong part of his life any longer. I really did not get many details. Mm. My dad was upset and depressed about it, and his aides were too. But he got past it, Mm -hmm. and once he moved into assisted living, he was really on the decline. Mm. She never visited him, to my knowledge, but he needed to adjust to his new environment. Sure. When my dad moved to assisted living, his location was in close proximity to my home and office. Mm -hmm. During the first month that my dad was living in assisted living, I would show up every day at different times just to see and observe how he was being cared for. Hmm. He was on a special diet because he was gluten-free. He had his limitations that had to do with his memory and other things. And one of the things that I thought about was I got there one morning, and it was early, and there was no nurse on duty. There were just aides. And my dad was finishing breakfast, and then it was a little past nine, and people were starting to line up in chairs outside of the nurse's office. And so when my dad went in, I asked the nurse if I could speak with her, and I said, I'm a little quizzical about something. My dad takes a thyroid medication, and he's supposed to take it one hour prior to eating. Well, If he's taking the thyroid medication after a meal, I'm not sure how effective it might be. And speaking for other people who may live here, I'm wondering about other people who have other types of medication that they need to take on an empty stomach. So I'm curious about this. Mm -hmm. And the nurse really didn't give me an adequate answer. So I went to the director of that department, and I discussed it with them, and they said, well, we'll have to discuss this further. 
And the eventuality was that I had to go up the ladder just a bit to the executive director of the entire community and explain what I thought was going on and how concerned I was for my dad and the other residents. And within just a week of that conversation, the nurse's hours were changed, and she was there much earlier in the morning. And I felt so good about it because I wasn't just helping my dad, but I was also helping the other people who lived there. And I think it could have been ignorance on the part of corporate Mm -hmm. to recognize that people needed to be treated with their meds early enough so that they would be effective. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to think about, well, should everyone be living in assisted living? Mm -hmm. And I thought about it, and I started to come to some conclusions. And that's how my thought process went to thinking about the fact that there are people who can afford to live in assisted living, but they may not want to be there or it may not be appropriate for them. So is this how you started thinking about starting your company, Aging in Place USA? Exactly. It was. I know that you're a, you're a certified Aging in Place specialist, so maybe you could explain to folks what that means and what the process involves to become certified. Absolutely. With the experience that I personally had designing and redesigning senior living communities, I was aware of the building codes and the dimensions that you would need for people to be comfortable and how a bathroom needed to be arranged so that you had a safe and comfortable environment. But at my company, we did not do residential work since the year 2000. So there was a gap there in understanding residential design as it is today and also understanding how people can age in place successfully. So I began to do some research and I discovered that the American Home Builders Association had a certification for people who could study to be an aging in place specialist. So I signed up for a class. It was very extensive. I learned an awful lot about it, and I achieved my CAPS certification. That's Certified Aging in Place Specialist. And from there, I had the idea that maybe there were people who needed this kind of help, especially within the community in Palm Beach County, which is where we're based, in Palm Beach County, Florida. And I started to look at statistics, and I discovered that 31% of the population in Palm Beach County is over 65 years old. That was shocking, but it helped me to further think about what I could do to help all of those people older than 65 if they needed the help. So my germ of an idea to work with people who preferred to live at home rather than in assisted living started to grow, and it was a year in the making to come to a conclusion about where I wanted to go with this and how to create this company. And in order to do it, I needed to create a team of people who would be able to work with us in this capacity of helping people to age in place 
safely and comfortably. So it wasn't just me, but it was the need for an architect, the need for potentially an occupational therapist, Mm -hmm. a physical therapist, various people in various professions that could guide us and help us through the process. So we formed the company, Mm -hmm. moved ahead with the process, and began to design how we might accomplish this. Mm -hmm. And so it involves not just creating a company, but putting together a website that would be easy to navigate. What are some of the obstacles to aging in place that folks really don't think that much about? I mean, the reality is is that most of the nation's housing is really not designed to accommodate physical and cognitive challenges that come with aging, right? So suburbia is great, but, you know, I, I don't think builders were necessarily thinking about the fact that maybe you might need handrail on both sides of the stairs if you're going to go down to that finished basement as you get older. So what are some of the obstacles to aging in place that folks really don't think that much about? So let's begin with the exterior of your home. Mm -hmm. You need to have a level surface walking up to your home with not many obstacles in the way. It needs to be very well lit. So if you're coming through the front door of your home, you need adequate lighting. If you're in the suburbs and you have a private home, you need to be sure that the path to your home is well lit. And when you get to that front door, think about the following thing. Perhaps you have your purse and you have packages and other things that you're carrying. Do you have a bench or a table or something right outside your door where you can put those things down and then be aware of where the lock and the key go and have both hands free to be able to open your door. And everyone at every age should think about this, not just people who are aging in place, but it's a safety factor. If you drive into your garage, you have a step usually leading into the laundry room, the mudroom, whatever it might be, You can have your driveway and your garage resurfaced so that there is a slight incline going down and eliminate that step so that, again, you're safer walking into your home. And also think about your garage door opener and the fact that people drive around and click a garage door opener and keep driving around until they find one where they can actually open the door when you're not there. So please be sure to lock your garage inside door when you're coming and going. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the door to your house as opposed to the automatic garage door. You're talking about the door to the physical house. Yes, the interior, Interior the door door. that's Mm -hmm. inside your garage that leads into your home should have a deadbolt type lock and a key so that you are creating safety for yourself within your garage and entering your home. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of work that you've done in someone's home? Yes, I can. Everyone at every age should think about the possibility of needing help and calling an ambulance for someone that's in the home. Everyone should be aware of the fact that you need about three feet to walk around or push a gurney around the home and put someone onto it and bring them 
into an ambulance and to the hospital. Mm. And most people don't think about this, but when seconds count, it's really important. So eliminating the clutter and being sure that there are pathways completely around the home are extremely important. Mm. I never would have thought of that. And if you live in a two-story home and you're upstairs and there's a fire downstairs, how can you safely escape? There's a really simple way to do this. You buy a fire ladder that rolls up. It can be on your balcony. It can be inside a window. It can be inside windows in multiple rooms. You merely roll it down, and then you can escape with this ladder and hopefully be safe from the fire. What if you have a parent who is in their, let's just say in their 80s, and you're concerned about them, and they want to stay in their home, they really want to stay put. And yet, they might not be physically capable of taking advantage of some of these steps that you've just described. Is there a point at which you have to say, okay, you know, this is probably not safe anymore, under any circumstances? Yes, there are. And people need to evaluate what they're capable of doing, and perhaps their family can help them. In my estimation, if you're living in a one-level home, there are many things that you can do to make that home safer and more comfortable so that you can remain there forever or for as long as possible. And those things involve specific changes that you can make. Even if you live in a two-story home, you can add an elevator to the interior or the exterior of your home. You can add a device that you can attach to the staircase so that you can navigate in a seated position up and down those stairs. Stairlift, yeah. We have one of those where my mom lives. She lives with my sister in a townhome, and we put one in. And it's so helpful because it gives you a sense of independence. You can travel up and down, and it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. But then we come to areas of the home that can easily be adapted for aging. So if you think about the typical bathroom, if you have a step-in shower, there's usually a step into that shower. Mm -hmm. You can adjust the pitch of the floor so that the water in the shower is traveling down toward the back wall and you don't need to have a drain in the center of the shower. You can have a drain at the end of the shower and it's a lineal drain so it's a rectangle and all the water flows into that. So much easier and so much safer for you as well. Everyone's shower should have a seat whether it's one that's built in or one that just folds into the wall it makes it a whole lot more comfortable to take a shower no matter what age you are. It's something to think about. Something else about the shower, you can put a thermostatic control outside the shower itself. So you can set the actual temperature that you'd like to shower at and you can set it and forget it so that when you turn the shower on and you can have that turn on valve also outside the shower, you can step in to your perfect temperature and be comfortable in your shower. Hmm. The other thing about a shower is it's always handy to have a handheld device in the shower so that it's not just a shower head, 
but it's also on a hose so that if ladies don't want to get their hair wet, they can just rinse themselves off with the handheld. Or if you're in a seated position, you can really do a good job washing your feet and your legs if you're using that. Mm -hmm. So it's a very handy thing to have. Mm -hmm. The other thing to think about is the texture of the floor itself in your bathroom and especially in your shower. You need to be sure that there's enough friction in the flooring material so that you won't slip and slide. And the stone and tile people have done a very good job in terms of the regulation of this. So you can be sure that you have the correct friction coefficient for your floor by checking the specifications. So moving on into the rest of your bathroom, it's always a good idea to have grab bars. And they don't need to look like those big, ugly silver tubes that are <laughs> mounted to the wall We've in a public bathroom. <laughs> right. Do you know that you can have grab bars that match your towel bars, and so they look really elegant in your bathroom? Some of the newer innovations, you can have a seat on your toilet that illuminates at night, so it actually brings you from your bed safely to the toilet. Wow. I want one You of can those. have a, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. There must be some correlation between the number of years and the number of trips to the bathroom as you age. Like <laughs> every 5 years you make two more trips per night to the bathroom. Oh, this is true, absolutely. And by the way, they also have a seat for the toilet that has a built-in bidet. So nice. You can help to clean yourself very easily without having to stretch and get uncomfortable and have yourself really clean and safe just by sitting there. Right. So now what we need to do is we need to put pressure on the Center for Medicare and Medicaid to get these things reimbursed, right? Because a lot of I what, agree. A lot of what you're talking about is not reimbursed through Medicare. Maybe you can deduct some of it from your taxes, but these are really important things to consider at a time when we're all living a lot longer. So, you know, you talk about the silver tsunami and the massive increase in the number of older adults there are going to be in the coming years. And these are the kinds of improvements that should be either paid for by Medicare or Medicaid, or if they're not tax deductible, they should be tax deductible, right? Because this just makes sense. I agree. And there are things that are very inexpensive that you can do on your own also without these costly improvements. And one of them is what's very popular right now is to have a single lever for your faucet so that it's really easy to handle if you have arthritis or some difficulty with your hands. Hmm. Now, what you can do is you can just replace what you have existing, even if it's a spout and handles, by buying one of these single lever faucets, and they have a cover plate that goes right over those holes of your existing. So for less than $100, you can change that piece of equipment and have a much more convenient and comfortable 
faucet to your sink. Makes total sense. There are certain things that I learned as my mom got older and as she was in assisted living and through the various places she's ended up living since my father died. You learn as you go about what are the safety traps. For instance, I did not know that it was important to get rid of throw rugs. Yes. That really didn't even occur to me until I had to make my mom's surroundings really safe. It's when we start thinking about our parents oftentimes that we're getting an education about this. So I guess there's no one time when it is time to make improvements, right? I mean, you made the really good point that aging or even living in place is not really an age issue. You could have had an injury where you blew out your knee and you're going to have to figure out how you're going to get into your house, you know, in a comfortable way without assistance. So you might need to make some changes to your house, even if, or you're a young mom and you have, you know, your arm full of groceries and you're pushing a stroller. So you made that point. And I think it's a really good point that regardless of how old you are, living comfortably and living in place is not really an age issue. No, it's not. And we're working presently on a multi-generational home. There, there are two children who are single digit, the parents, his father who lives with them permanently, and her mother who comes to visit for long visits. So the little four-year-old is constantly slipping and sliding on the floor because the floor is just too slippery for anyone, not just a four-year-old. So thinking about how you might improve that, thinking about being sure that the bathrooms are adequate in size and suit the needs of those people who are using those bathrooms because a four-year-old boy has to stand on a stool <laughs> to get to the faucet, or you can adapt a little step that's a permanent step at the vanity so that you don't have the concern about that portable step moving around and maybe is injuring himself. Mm-hmm. So every age, mm-hmm. every inhabitant has their own personal needs in a home, and You raise the issue about rugs, and yes, you can have rugs as opposed to -to wall-to-wall carpet, but you need to be sure that the padding under the rug is non-slip so that it's not going to move around. And you can do the same thing with your bath mats. You just need to be absolutely sure that they're not going to move and that you can be comfortable utilizing them. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to tell folks who live in Florida how they can learn more about your work and your company. Where should they uh, go online to check you out? Our website is www.aging, that's A-G-I-N-G, in place, us.com. And we believe that everyone can live their life on their own terms, safely and comfortably, And we can redesign, reorganize, and if necessary, rebuild your home to match your desires and meet your needs for comfort and safety. And it's probably going to cost you a lot less than it costs to live in an assisted living facility for a year, right? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. So moving into assisted living, in independent living, there's a range in price that can travel anywhere from... 30000 to 60000 to rent an apartment in assisted living, mm-hmm. independent assisted living. You can also put down a substantial amount of money at a life care community 
And that substantial amount of money could be a half a million or more than a million dollars to move into one of those communities, and they will take care of you for the rest of your life, regardless of your health and your needs. But if you prefer to remain at home, and you're thinking that maybe your bathrooms need to be updated, maybe your kitchen does too, because it's just not functioning the way you need to, you could probably take that forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars and invest that into your home and have it tailored to exactly what meet your needs and save yourself a bundle of money and that's only in one year. You can also remain in your home, in your neighborhood, with your friends nearby, with your doctors and your bridge game and your gym and everything else nearby as opposed to moving somewhere where you need to make new friends and adapt to an entirely new lifestyle. And so we're very strong believers in aging in place for that reason, and we'd love to help anyone that needs our help. But everyone needs to think about their own individual needs and desires. There are many people who would really prefer to live in assisted living because they'd like a new start, because they like to socialize, mm-hmm. because they'd like to make their life simpler, easier, and carefree, and just enjoy their time. And I always think of senior living as summer camp for adults. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, it really is lots of fun if you're so inclined. But there are also people who would prefer to remain in their homes and conveniently be near their friends be in their neighborhood, be near all of the things that are important to them. So living in your own home might be a good choice for that person, bearing in mind that you may need to make some changes and adapt that home so that you can continue to live in that home and enjoy it and age in place for as long as you possibly can if that's your desire. Everyone needs to make their own choices about their lifestyle and so long as you're safe and you're comfortable and you have dignity in your life i think that's one of the most important things that you need to consider we've been speaking with dale miller she's the founder of aging in place usa dale's a certified aging in place specialist and she and her team want to make sure you can thrive in your home for as long as you want to live there we will have links on the AgeWise website to Dale's company and how you can get in touch with her. So all that useful information will be in the show notes. Dale, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been really fascinating. And um, good luck with the company. I really appreciate the work you're doing and the care that you're putting into it. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you like this show, please tell your friends and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes. Head on over to agewise.com, that's A-G-E-W-Y-Z, and use our search feature to discover some great conversations with guests who talk about issues of specific interest to you. You'll get tips, find links to useful information, and best of all, know you're not alone. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk radio network. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours. Thank you.